Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Catfish Corner. I'm Paul Scribina, a Predators beat writer for the Tennessean, joined by columnist Gentry Estes. <clears throat> We're gonna uh, we we didn't we didn't catch up last week because um, our schedules didn't match up, but. We're back to make up for lost time, and we'll we'll talk about uh, how surprising. I mean, shoot, it's it's Thursday night. The Predators are supposed to be playing tonight, but the their game was po- again against the Senators was postponed because 10, 10 Senators players are in COVID protocol, so they get an extra day of practice up in Canada. Um, they're in Montreal today, but uh, as we record this, Gentry, this team is in. Third place in the, in the Central Division, two points out of first, and playing like one of the better teams in the league. I I, I don't really know. I'm I'm kind of at a loss for words. I mean, I wasn't expecting it after the after the one and four start, after the off season of losing all those guys. I mean, what 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 have you seen that you, you think has been the difference? That, that you know that, that they're actually in contention. I know it's early, but. Yeah, I mean, the, the questions that we had coming into this season, you know, with what Soros did at the end of last season, was that going to be sustainable? Well, it has been. He's been he's been really good. And in their last six games, they haven't allowed more than three goals in any of those games. Um, I mean, really, he's been phenomenal in a lot of the games, even in the loss of Toronto the other night. I mean, he was he was great. Uh, they lost three nothing. But Soros, you know, certainly certainly wasn't his fault. I, I so he's been phenomenal. He's been able to sustain that. You also have Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, guys. The the two guys who make the most – those $8 million forwards that we've talked about for two years now is underachieving. They've been playing a lot better, especially Matt Duchesne. And, and when he, other than Soros, has probably been the best player on the team. And if you'd known that going into this season, that would speak very well to the Predators' chances. I, I think anything we thought about this team – we just assumed that Duchesne and Johansson would continue to underachieve. And, um, you know, to this point, that hasn't been the case. And it's made the Predators better than you think. Well, it's, it's and, and they've been doing it lately without, without my dog's bark, without Philip Forsberg, which, you know, they, they haven't really lost a beat. Um, when, you know, when, when one of their best offensive players has been out. And, you know that I think that speaks to. I asked John Hines about that, and, and he basically said, you know, that the whole the whole system we have designed here is basically to be plug and play. And yeah, when you lose a guy like Philip, it you know it does hurt, and, and more guys have to do more things. But you know that they're able to to, to do this, you know, play as as well as they have, you know, even missing him speaks a lot about the identity of this team. And I think we're finally seeing what John Hines has been talking about since he got here. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, Roman Yossi's being Roman Yossi. I, mean, I know you mentioned Matt Duchesne being, you know, him and Saros being the best players on the team. I, and, and I think Roman, Roman Yossi would have something to say about he belongs in that conversation too. But that, I think that goes without saying. Um, but yeah, Matt Duchesne has been the player, the Predators thought they were getting. And, you know, I've and I, I've said it before, and I I always say this. You know, if if Duchesne Johansson can play near or close to their contracts, that's like two free agent signings for the Predators. What do you think is different? Why do you think he's been so much better? I you know what, it's it's hard to tell. I mean, I think he's getting used to playing on the wing. Um, you know, he's always he said since he got here, he's a center. That's where he wants to play. That's where he plays best. 
I think it's who he's playing with, you know. I, and I think it's just, my dog will not stop barking. Um, he I likes catfish. He would, he would he would love a catfish, but um, making me lose my concentration. But um, no, I think uh, you know, yeah, Matthew Shane is why I, you know a lot of the underlying numbers entry aren't that different. I, I think, but I think he he is being rewarded now, um, and maybe wasn't last year. I mean, he you know him and Johansson even last year during the playoffs started playing a little bit better and showing hints of this. So you know. Again, it's just you know when they lose Arvidsson and you know and and lose Ellis, you think, oh my gosh, you know what's going to happen? And I think that's exactly what they needed. I think you know it, it, it. These guys are finally getting a full camp. Finally got a full camp under Hines. They finally, you know, things are not normal, but you know as normal as they have been since he's been here, and it's starting to show now. You know, out of all the games that the Preds have played so far this season, they've only scored more than four goals one time. And, and even with the play from uh, the improvements from Duchesne, Johansson, some of the forwards have been, been playing, you know, pretty well. And, and guys like Granlin been, been showing up a lot, but still the offensive numbers aren't that aren't out of this world. And, and when they play a team like Toronto the other night, you see the difference. And the speed of play, the offensive firepower of a team with with, with guys like Matthews getting that first goal, so it, it tells me that it it's still Soros that that's kind of carrying this, but it's it's encouraging to see that he still can. And well, well, that, but that's all. I think that's the same old story for the Predators. You know, they've never been a, a an offensive. Nobody's ever really been, been afraid of their offense, um, and and they've always won games. You know, with good goaltending and and with good defense. And I think you know you have to give credit to. To, to, the, to the defensive guys, too, because, you know, look, Saros makes, a, you know, he, he covers up a lot of mistakes, but there's there's their depth um, on defense is, is so much better now. And, you know, you, you think losing Ellis, my gosh, how are they going to replace that? And, and who, by the way, I think he's hurt again. But, um, you know, I, I think if you do it, if, if you have a just plug-and-play system like Hines, you know, Hines has set into place – then I think, you know, you start seeing the results of that um, where you can, if you have the right personnel, you can just put guys anywhere. And and hockey coaches do this all the time. You know, they're always moving guys around. and, and But it, it seems pretty seamless with, with the Predators for some reason. Um, but one guy who's not around, um, and I'm, I'm guessing won't be around again, is a fan favorite and, and uh, Rocco Grimaldi, who was – uh, who cleared waivers last week, late last week, and then was sent to Milwaukee. And, um, you know, I, look, he hasn't played much under Hines. He, he, I think he played five games this year, had no goals, no assists, not playing a ton of minutes. Um, just doesn't seem to fit, hasn't ever seemed to fit into what Hines wants to do. He's, you know, um, not as big, not as physical, just doesn't, you know, defensively get, can get taken advantage of. Um, but still... You know, there was there was some outrage from some people about how how can you let Rocco go and and you know I I asked John about it. He's you know basically said you know we want him to play and he's not going to play here basically and and that's you know he's in the second year of his two year contract and I think his days in Nashville are done and uh, I I mean personally I mean I I like the guy 
but uh, I, I certainly see why you know how he doesn't fit into what this team's trying to do. Yeah, I mean, you, you're talking about a you know Michael McCarron, Thomas Novak, um, you know Olivier Trenin. You know, they're bringing in some of these guys and giving them a chance. But you also have your, the guys like Trent and Olivier. Tanner Janot has certainly played well to this point. These are all what you would call John Hines kind of guys. And Rocco just never has been. And, and I think, you know, when he's not picked up on waivers, it I don't think that's a knock on Rocco as much as it is how much money he makes. I, I don't think – I think another team would have liked to have had Rocco Grimaldi, but I don't think they would have liked to have had him at $2 million a year. And, and the, the Preds certainly thought a lot of him. And, you know, I, I know that isn't the same thing as giving Matt Duchesne $8 million. But if you're going to pay a guy that much money, you need to be getting more out of him than than what they've been getting. And, and Rocco's kind of been a missing man now for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's not, and it's, it's, it's not that he's not producing. It's just that he's not play, he's not playing. <laughs> I mean, when he has played, he hasn't. But it's such such a small sample size. But yeah, he just, you know, I, John is finally, you know, in in this this season, his first full season. Um, you know, he's getting the guys. You know that they. You know, he's getting his guys and and putting them on the roster and giving some of the you know the Thomasinos of the world a, a chance and. You know, like I said, just Rocco just doesn't doesn't fit into that picture. I'm I'm sure that you know he'll catch on somewhere else. He I know that he you know, couple a couple years ago he led the team in 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 goals in the playoffs, which is not a good thing if you're the Predators. Um, he's had that four goal game. Uh, I mean, he's you know he's done some things here, but you know all good things must come to an end, I guess. And uh, the Predators gave him a chance when a lot of other teams didn't, and. And, you know, that kind of ran its course. So, you know, is what it is, but. Yeah, you know, you mentioned the defensive pairings and then that uh, you like how that's gone so far this year. So you're you're a fan of uh, Myers, Borowetsky. I think Dante Fabros looked pretty good when given more minutes. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of players that would look good if you put them opposite Roman. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Roman's going to Roman's going to make other other players look better. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, I, I like the depth. I, I like the depth at the bottom, you know, with with the guys like Myers and with the guys, you know, like Borowiecki and, you know, and and you know, there's just some they're big guys. They're 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 fast guys, and you know, they they don't take any crap from anybody. You can't you know you can't push push them around. Sometimes, you know, you, you see John likes the muscle. I mean, he he he'll put out he'll put the the herd line out there to start a game against the other team's. Top line, um, you know. At times, um, it, it's just uh, yeah. They they've been again. They've always been historically been a good defensive team. So that that's not surprising that you know that they have some of these players in the pipeline and recognize some of this you know identify some of this talent and that that they can say hey, you know what we don't Ryan Ellis. Thanks for all you've done. See you later and not panic about it. Um, which on the surface, if you think you know that's something to panic about and. You know, so far it's been it's been it's not been easy hockey to watch. I I could say that. You know, the Predators like to, to muck it up. They like to, you know, just it, it's it's not always you know highlight real hockey to watch. But they're doing all these little things and you know that just keep them in games that they have. To, I feel like they have to do that because like you know like we talked about earlier, they just they can't score and that's a big it's a big problem if you don't play that style of, you know of of game the other way. Yeah, and as, as encouraging as it has been um, to this point in the season, 
I see a game like what happened in Toronto the other night is is a little alarming because I do, despite what happened in the playoffs last season, I do look at the Maple Leafs and see an elite team uh, with a lot of the talent they have, and just you would just watch them play, and it's you know they play some pretty pretty hockey. I mean, that you see them, you see Carolina, you see. Edmonton, maybe a couple other teams around the league, but you, you you can definitely see a difference when you watch those teams play, just the level of talent they have out there. And, and Nashville's not in that conversation. They're just not. And, and even at their best, I don't know if there's an upside to th- that would see them get that good this year, even if this is sustainable. No, I, I'm not. I'm not certainly not saying they're an elite team. I'm saying they're a team that is probably is playing above most people's expectations and and you know through you know 16 or 17 games i mean that's that's a good enough sample size to kind of see where you are and what and see what you are um you know we the first five ten games of the year it's like oh well it's early maybe they're you know you start settling into what you you know and seeing what you what you're going to be uh you know 15 20 games in or what to you know at least know what to expect a little bit more so i think you know it it's just, uh, you know, who knows where they'll be at the end of the season. But shoot, after the one and four start, you know, it seemed like it was, you know, throwing the towel already. Just because, like, this is kind of, you know, this kind of year it's going to be. And it may be still in the being that kind of year, but we can only go by by what's going on now. They play next again on on Saturday night um, in Montreal, and uh, well, no, no Shea Weber, obviously, former Predators captain, it's on long term IR, and uh, probably. Likely, I don't know if he'll ever play any NHL again. But, but um, that's, a, so that's yeah. a rough that's a rough scene in Montreal right now too. Oh yeah, with with, with everything going on with Carey Price and and you know just yeah, For a team uh, that made the finals last year. Woo. And and that's a game that Nashville needs to get coming off a four day a weird four days unexpected rest. I, I don't know why you stay in Canada versus coming back home, but they did stay up there, right? They did. They just, they just flew, right, you know, they flew right to, to Montreal, um, you know, and, and it's from Toronto and just stayed there. I mean, I, I don't know if coming coming back for a couple of days would have made it. I, I don't know what the reasoning is. I'm guessing getting in and out of Canada is kind of a pain. And, you know, I, I don't know. But uh, they're, they're uh, you know, it's a game, like, again, that they – they uh it'd be good for them to win like you could say that about every game but you know if, if they you know they pull that win off that i mean that's a that's a good road trip you know a good you know they played a ton of games on the road lately and, and they're coming out of it you know with their heads this far above water that's uh that's better than you that better than you probably could have expected yeah some real nice wins over you know vancouver dallas st louis if they if they don't win this game, though, now you come back home and you face an Anaheim team that's been a lot better than anybody expected, followed by Vegas uh, the night before Thanksgiving in Nashville. You know, one loss could turn into four pretty quick. Um, and and I, I think we're going to spend all season wary of that with this team because we saw last year how quickly it could get away from them. And they could turn into, you know, the worst case scenario. Whereas I think so far, I'm not gonna say it's the best case scenario, but it's pretty damn close, and it's closer than I think we thought it would be. Yep. I mean, you're always you're always you know one slip up away from from a bad streak or a good streak. But you know, hey, hey, I I uh, I didn't have a lot of optimism before the season, and and you know I have to give props where props are due, and 
however they're doing it, you know, whether it's Saros and defense and, you know, or, or however they're doing it, I mean, they're doing it. So, you know, you can't argue with the results. So Here, here's um, one thing I, I have liked about this. And I think, for, you know, we've heard this whole time about from John Hines about he, he's he's been very consistent about the identity he wants. He wants, you know, a hard nosed team and, and to play. You know, what he wants, I think, has been represented on the ice a lot better so far this season. And I think when you look at a situation like what happened, you know, let's say Matt Duchesne, a guy who, for whatever reason, I just thought it was fascinating that if you talk to Duchesne, he'll say, well, I'm really not doing anything different. It's just the puck's going in now. And you talk to John Hines, and he basically talks about Duchesne like he's a completely different player. It's like, well, okay. One of the, you know, there's well, probably think, some truth in both accounts there. Yeah, I, I think I think Matt Duchesne, Duchesne probably feels like he's not doing a lot of things differently. But, I, you know, I think there's little things that that he's doing that, that John's been pushing him that, you know, that add up. And that's that's where I think the difference has been. But um, anyway, um, any any parting thoughts, Gentry? What do you what do you think at this point of the season? What 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 are you? I mean, they're overachieving to me. I, I, they are, they are, and it's as you, the longer you go, and you mentioned Forsberg earlier, and they're doing this without him. So I think this is going to be obviously a big topic as the it already has been as the season continues. But now you're proving that you can maybe succeed without him anyway. So yeah. it's it's strange. It's like you would have thought if he would have been available at the trade deadline, it would have been because this team stunk and they were about to do a la- launch a full scale rebuild. Now now you're thinking, hey, maybe maybe he's expendable anyway uh, because it's a tough call. Because you, I, I, no matter what happens, I don't see this team paying him what he's going to want after the season. No, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. But uh, I guess we'll find out. Um, Anyway, that'll do it for this edition of Catfish Corner. We hope you subscribe to Tennessee.com if you already haven't. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. And leave us a review or a rating while you're at it. For Gentry Estes, I'm Paul Scribino. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.